1983 most certainly was the year of the new excitement for the state of Michigan. Of the 12 United States Football League teams, the Panthers flew highest of all. And for Panther fans everywhere, the excitement is back again. <laughs> Well, I would like to welcome everyone to the Michigan Panther cast portion of the show tonight, as I have officially launched a Twitter page for these different sections we break out, uh, this specifically for the Michigan Panther cast. Uh, it is at USFL Panther cast. You can find that on Twitter, getting, getting a little following there, which I appreciate. So thank, thank you all for your follows and Hope to have some USFL news every, hopefully every week. Uh, might pick up as the weeks go on, as rosters are announced and coaches, coaching staffs are assembled. Uh, we do have major USFL news to talk about this week, as the Fox, uh, the USFL owned by Fox, has actually sold some television rights to NBC, boo, which boo, means boo. NBC. He is paying Fox to help help this league get off the ground, which is kind of an amazing thing that competitors are are in cahoots on this thing, which you know lends to my idea that this business plan has some serious credibility and has a, a serious potential to actually work, as opposed to a lot of the smaller ancillary leagues we've seen come and go over the last few years. You know, I, I pointed out the. USFL started is owned by Fox. They have a vested interest in making this work and making this work on television. Uh, now that you have a another television partner who is paying Fox for this, the privilege of showing USFL games, that is that is money, more money uh, helping this league uh, to get off the ground. And those are, those are major players when you have NBC and Fox uh, showing a total of 43 games, uh, that, that is the full schedule. 20 of those games will be either on the broadcast, Fox Channel, or NBC. There will be 19 games split between Fox Sports 1 and the USA Network. And that, that might sound strange off, off the top. Off the top. Uh, USA is typically not a sports network, but that is what NBC sports as we've known it for the last five to 10 years, they are actually getting rid of that in, in completely and moving all their sports coverage over to USA, including NASCAR and all their other sports coverage. Um, so it sounded strange at first, like why are they showing the USFL in USA? But that's literally that the cable wing of uh, NBC sports. There will be four games on Peacock streamed on Peacock, which you experienced a little bit with your Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Um, I think it was one one game out of your season this year. Yeah. Uh, so I think a lot of people have Peacock and might not even know it. If you're if you're a Comcast subscriber, you have Peacock. That's part of your subscription. If you have a an Apple TV or you can stream it on your uh, phone or iPads or whatever. Uh, I was a little bit worried when I heard that it was going to be a lot of games on Peacock. I was concerned it was going to be too many and that would be a detriment, but it's only four. Uh, so 10, you know, 10% of the, of all the games, but the vast majority majority are going to be on over the air broadcast and uh, cable TV. Very easy for everyone to get major channels. So 
I thought that was an extremely positive sign by by the USFL, and just another reason to to think this, at least the idea of this is going to work. And there's a there's a lot of money behind it. We've we've seen other smaller leagues come and go. Like the one I think of is the AAF, I believe it was called. Um, they were here a couple of years ago, but they were literally paying to be broadcast on TV. They they were they actually were. Uh, kind of like an infomercial almost they, they had to pay to get on tv and they were famous for not being able to pay their players after like the second week of of games uh, they couldn't make payroll so that's a radically different model that that has nothing to do with how the usfl is approaching things and another reason why i think it i think it has potential to succeed um, so yeah, I'm going to try to make you a, a USFL fan by the, by the end of this. I don't know if you're going to be a Michigan Panthers fan necessarily over there, but are they the closest team to Chicago? Maybe they are. Yeah. yeah. I, I talked about that a little bit last week. Geography wise, the only close, the only close team to Michigan in the Northern division is the Pittsburgh Maulers. They're about a four and a half hour drive East, but that's further away from Chicago. So is it M a U or M A L L like shop at the mall or I don't know. Or, do I hate those guys people? already. Do they, do they, they hurt people. They are barely leading the the Panthers in Twitter followers. So that's so the theme of last week's show is that they were going to become our instant uh, arch rivals because we had the two heart highest Twitter followers. Whoa, maybe it'll be a Twitter team, bowl. So. We were also close Twitter to trophy. Jack. Yeah, so. Uh, I don't know how they spell it. No, it's with a U for sure, but fuck those guys. Fuck those guys. <laughs> I, if, if we don't have a rivalry yet, I'm going to try and start that here. But The other thing I wanted to bring up about the USFL is I just happened to be in the mood for watching documentaries this weekend, and I forgot to uh, that I had seen a really good one many years ago now, but it was from ESPN. You you remember the old 30 for 30s that they used to yeah. do? I think they still do occasionally or maybe it's under a different name now that it's no longer 30 movies celebrating the 30th anniversary of ESPN because we're like 45 years into that now but uh, I always thought those were incredible. I I own like the first season on DVD. Unfortunately, I don't have a DVD player anymore. So it popped into my mind that there was a USFL documentary that they had done back in 2009. And so I looked that one up and and uh, got that on Amazon Prime. It's, Prime. Called, it's called Small Potatoes: Who Killed the USFL? And that's kind of a, a obviously a negative connotation that the documentarian went in went into it with. Uh, but it was a really good documentary about how how the USFL formed and what an innovative league it was and how it had the potential to succeed, and then it was summarily destroyed by. Blind ambition, cockeyed optimism, um, and pretty much greed and impatience. And specifically, they, of course, blame uh, then New Jersey Generals owner Donald Trump, who you may or may not have heard of. Uh, He's this... the guy. He was in Home Alone, too, right? In the hotel. <laughs> when you say that name, that is a charged a charged discussion immediately. But you need to remember this documentary was was uh, debuted in 2009. So it was probably made in 2007 or 2008, which would be close to a decade before he became our president. Um, so this was not oh, a that guy. <laughs> this was not a politically motivated documentary in any way. But they they certainly place the blame, the lion's share of the blame at at the foot of Donald Trump for uh, the demise of the USFL. So, yeah, I mean, nobody likes to talk, well, 
at least I don't like to talk politics. Um, if you don't like the politics, don't worry about watching this documentary. It's not about that. Um, you do see trademark uh, trademark characteristics of our former president. Uh, he is interviewed extensively in this directly by the documentarian. And that is actually where the title of this documentary came from, is what Donald was describing the USFL playing in the spring was in small potatoes. And the only way to be <laughs> big potatoes, I guess, is in his mind, at least, is to move to the fall and take on the NFL directly, which is exactly why they failed. Uh, the USFL had gained a lot of traction in their first two years, um, mainly by through star power. They they had the three Heisman Trophy winners drafted in a row and signed to large contracts. They had Herschel Walker, for instance. They had Reggie White, Steve Young, uh, Doug Flutie. So they they were they had household names in that league to, to start off with, and that, that's part of their success. They were also, you know, an innovative league. You know, before the U.S. before the NFL had instant replay review and you know even two point conversions. That's what the USFL was was experimenting with in their league they could do things like that they even had the red challenge flag that the usfl uh or at the nfl ripped off so this is interesting i didn't even realize though i forgot about those at least those little factoids that the usfl was innovative in that but it was just a colorful league and it was it was fun but the the real reason it it really took off is because of that star power and they, they spent a lot of money herschel walker i think had a four million dollar a year contract which was higher than any any nfl player at the time so they were spending major money i'm not sure that this current usfl is going to be approaching anything like that or if that's that if that's their strategy and i i don't i i just don't see how that that works that way i don't see you know any heisman can you know any of the top draft picks in the for the nfl this year i don't think any of them are going to jump ship for the usfl that is starting in april of 2015 or 2022 um so it's just different i, I but I, this comes back to the business model that i think is is solid at least for sustained growth where it won't be maybe the meteoric rise and fall that the original usfl had um it'll be a little more slow a slow burn to build some credibility and to build an audience you know they've got they've got me i am a late 40s yeah, <laughs> i'm late 40s man i was a huge fan as a kid of the michigan panthers they have been on my mind periodically throughout throughout time mainly because the lions have been so piss poor for most of my life and you think back to the one professional football franchise that was successful right off the bat well, we have a they have a built-in audience there, but the key is to get the younger generation to be interested. And the coming and going of all these smaller leagues that have flopped basically is is a little bit worrying, um, and it, it might be tiresome to a, a new generation or someone like you that has no real interest in the USFL off the bat. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see. But they, they've they've built this where they have this multi-year contract with NBC. This is. This is not a one-year deal. They, they are committed for, I believe it's three years. And the Sports Business Journal said it was a significant amount of money. That's how they they, qual they qualified it as. So I think that that idea is, is consistent with uh, building this league over time where they don't you know come and go so quickly. They, they can, they're not going to make splashy deals necessarily right away and try to gain an audience with 
with you know big name players right out of college. Uh, we'll we'll see how that plays out, but I think with a long term runway to get this off the ground, I think I think they have a huge opportunity for success. And I can't wait. If you can't tell, like I said, I started the, a fucking Twitter a Twitter page for this, and there's got quite a few followers already in in less than a week. So basically, started that on Saturday or this weekend at some point, and um, we're up to like close to 80 followers on that which is not bad there's a built-in audience we they just need to find a way to grow that audience i think so we'll see but that is it for this week's installment of the michigan panther cast well i'm gonna i'm gonna prolong it a little more oh okay thank you um <laughs> so when when do when when do we start to hear about rosters that when, i when don't it, know they're, okay they're, they're pretty you know they don't need to I mean, there isn't a date they need to set necessarily, but it's got to be soon. I mean, they're they're kicking off April fifteenth. So I mean, like, is is someone like? There's probably going to be some names that are going to pop up. Like one per one player that jumps out at me right away who's who's tried to get back in the NFL is Des Bryant. Like, is Des Bryant going to be on a USFL team? Colin Kaepernick. There, yeah, mm-hmm. Col- that, yeah, Colin that's Kaepernick. interesting. Can Kelvin Johnson go and play in the USFL if he wants? I don't think I mean, he wants to play football anymore, but he could, I guess. I mean, yeah, that would be interesting. Getting some older players, maybe they, they could be a mix of you know those that have been shunned from the National Football League and right, players, yeah, that unsigned players. I, I'm not sure how that's going to play out. I, I mean, the main way again how the original USFL worked is they literally paid to get the best players out of college and. I just I don't see that happening. There's no reason why that can't happen necessarily, but I just I'd be surprised if any of the top NFL potential draft picks somehow sign with an, a USFL team. Which, I mean, it'd be history repeating itself. You know, 40 years later, it would be great to see. It'd be hilarious. It'd be you know immediate competition to the NFL, which I think would be really interesting. I, I'm not sure that's a smart business model um, to spend a bunch of money up front. Uh, before they get established, but you, you never know. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they're gonna have to. I think it's a couple, a few, a few. Like you know, you name four, and and I'm not saying they have to, you know, spend necessarily means a big spending or anything like that. Like like overspending maybe is a better way to put it. But like they're gonna get. I just have this feeling they're going to draw somebody out, some some people out, and maybe, you know, maybe it is, or maybe it's even like the guys like the Andy Daltons of the world, and mm. and and people like that who who will fringe. look better, who yeah, yeah, fringe guys. If you get fringe NFL guys, and the league is mixed of of like twenty percent fringe NFL guys, and then maybe like eighty percent everything else, those fringe NFL guys are going to be stars in that league you know theoretically and that's why the you know alternative spring league works uh, as well because you know those players are in the middle of their off season where they might you know if they want if they're trying to make a name for themselves or you know get back in the nfl maybe they can sign a one year you know one you know the three month contract two month contract with the usfl and do that and boost their boost their their qr rate you know their yeah. qa rating and see how that pans out. I'm not sure how that's going to play out, but that, that's, that's another fascinating aspect of how that, how that could work. So, I mean, the, as much as like, I'm kind of like whatever with this right now, yeah, I'm very clearly. interested. 
Well, no, but I'm very interested. No, with good see. reason. I understand. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if there was a, if there was a, that's Chicago, most of the world. So I, I if get that. There was that, like a Chicago sure. team. I, 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 I'd be way more interested in it. But and that's like, why I'm surprised there isn't one. That, that's why I thought that may have been one of the the teams because they literally just picked whatever the biggest brands were remaining from the original USFL te- USFL league because. They're all playing in Birmingham, Alabama. There are no local owners. There are no local right. stadiums yet. So they just picked big brands, essentially. I that you know there may be more might be more to that as they probably have put out feelers for individual ownership and uh, stadiums, you know, stadium situations because eventually they will move to those markets if they, if they want to be successful. They can't play all their games in in Birmingham for forever. So. Yeah, I could see how you'd be more interested in the. I think it was the Chicago Blitz. Was the, yes, it was the Blitz. Team. Were you yeah. a Blitz fan by any chance? I when you were... did watch the Blitz a, okay. a bit. Um, back, I did watch the USFL like a little bit, but like I wasn't. You weren't locked I, in. Um, yeah, so I, I'm most interested to see what these rosters look like, and then, and then that will help me decide my uh, vested interest in. Uh, time of year when I am budding and floating on air because of the start of the baseball season. So potential. Uh, well, well, I was going to say they may have picked a really good year to launch the USFL because. Yeah, I, I think that's a that could be a huge factor. In fact, I mean, if the if baseball fucks this up, like you and I think they might, as we've talked many times on our uh, baseball podcast, Major League A Holes. Uh, if there is a delay even to the season, that 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 is exactly when the USFL season is supposed to start. So for a sports-starved nation, <laughs> the, you know, if the USFL could fill that void immediately, which I think would be, I mean, that could be the most serendipitous thing for this league that's ever happened. So I'm certainly not wishing uh, the major league baseball to have a work stoppage into the season. But I mean, if that was going to happen, that would be one positive out of it. You were two and seven. You'd be in a bad mood too.